0: Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.
1: Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter, a common concern is always money. Welcome to the program today. We've got a solid program lined up for you today. We've got Scott Jordan and Daniel Orwin. They're going to talk about information. It's going to be educational, entertaining. We'll throw that in for good measure. And just to remind you that if you've got questions for the program, just send them to 901-683-0989. That's our text line, 901-683-0989, or email them to at com. You know, experience has taught me that successful investing requires discipline and patience. And sometimes the best advice is just the simplest. Let's step back and look at the big picture and avoid any hasty decisions. Well, we have a question from Mike. He said, uh, he really says, I want to know more about my 401k. Should I be putting more money into it now? I have not maxed out. And should I wait? Because of the market, it seems to have bounced up a little bit. But is that going to continue or is it going to completely fall off the cliff? He says, I am not maxing, and I'm wondering if this is a good time to move in aggressively. And also, he says, I know you talk a lot about budgeting when it comes to retirement. I want more explanation. So Scott's going to answer that question. But in the second half of the program... The professor is in the house. We're going to go to scam school with Daniel Orwin. It's always interesting, always important, and of course a very, very integral part of the program because it's educational. He gives us some insight into what we are facing every day when it comes to the people that want to scam us and take our money. So he's in the second half of the program. He might join us in the first half. You never know about Daniel. He's just here and he does a great job for us, but... I tell you what, I'm going to start with an article. You know, Scott, I'm, I'm going to say that just give me a chance, okay? And I'll I'll kind of dive into this. And uh, big grin from from Scott and from Daniel here in the studios. But this is an article that I wrote, and then I'll get into the question and the answer. And it's kind of kind of gives you something a little bit of an insight into why I want Scott to talk about the history lesson because. This is an article that I wrote in April of 2020. It says, investing for the future, looking for a reasonable return. And I'm just going to read the opening paragraph. For a safety-conscious investor, it looks like there is no place to hide these days. Utilities are not predictable anymore. Blue-chip stocks are falling out of favor. And the government is about to shrink the supply of treasury bonds. If Procter & Gamble can stumble... And the Treasury Department can announce a plan to slash the number of bonds it will sell. What is an investor to do? Now, that's April of 2020. Scott, I, you know, the thing that I think that kind of gets me is I'm saying to people the best advice, and this is a quote from the article, the best advice I can give anyone today April of 2020 is stay invested and know your risk tolerance. That's almost what we'd say to them today. It, with all the things going on, it's kind of it's repeating itself.
2: I don't think the principles change very much, Jim. When it comes down to it, um, you know, we've been here before. And I think uh, I love that in that article, you could almost say the same thing today. Maybe some of the companies change, but it's it's really, you know,
1: I just, I'm reading it. I quoted it, you know, I wouldn't say
2: it's kind of the same, same thing. And the same principles apply today that they did 22 years ago.
1: You know, and I guess it's hard for people to think because you hear people saying to us, it's, it's, you know, this idea that they're different. This time is different. And I know you've got some information for us to look at history and think about the eight recessions that we've had since 1970. And I think it's important for our listeners. I want that to tie in to the idea of knowing how to invest, what to do, some of the principles of just money-tested time, you know, time-tested money principles about investing. So start with some of those recession, the history lesson. Well, I
2: think, you you know, if you count today and, you know, only history will tell whether we're actually in a recession or not, it hadn't been officially declared. We have seen, you know, the the technical definition of the two quarters of negative GDP growth has happened, but we haven't officially declared this one. So either eight or nine since 1970. So math will tell you that's about one every five to six years. So the first thing I would say is as a long-term investor, you know, whether you're nearing retirement and have another 25 to 30 years of life, or you're young and you've got Fifty to sixty years of an investment history—you're going to go through a lot of these. You're going to go through this five or six times in a retirement. So, I think you know, step one is to expect recessions. You know, having those proper expectations, knowing as a long-term investor, we're going to go through a lot of a lot of recessions, which usually are coupled with a market downturn. So, just knowing that is is part of getting the psychology right to be a long-term
1: You know, that was one thing. We were recently in a meeting with a client, and we were going through that process of talking about that. And in the process, she made a comment, the, the, the lady in the, in the group, the husband and wife, she made a comment. She says, well, I'm okay with what we're doing now, but are we going to have a, another one of these? And she's 65 years old. Right. You know, maybe she wasn't even 65. And I think what you're saying is, the answer is, yeah.
2: Yes. yes. I mean, all we have to do, all we have to look at is history. So if history if history is our guide, I would say, yes, you're going to go through this several times throughout your retirement and especially through your long-term investment
1: history. You know, and you think about it, the longest... Recession that we've got, we've we've seen in the last recent few, you know, recent years in the eighteen months. It was eighteen months long. It was the global financial crisis, oh seven and 08. and that's a big deal. And at the, at that point, it was the deepest one, five point one percent of the GDP. And so everybody's got that in their mind. Right. But it's amazing how quick we seem to forget that part of what's going on. So we think about, you know, that was a terrible, terrible thing. But that's not the deepest. The deepest is more recent uh, than it, that.
2: Yeah, that and you know, the gd the GDP dropped in 2020 going through the pandemic by 19.2%. Now put that in perspective. Wow. Anybody who lived through the 0809 crisis remembers how difficult that was. And that was a 5% drop in GDP. Now think about 2020. We had now it was short-lived.
1: And the whole economy um, shut down for yeah, I mean, three, four, five Yeah, I mean, and yeah, globally.
2: Was, it, was, it was, it was a grand experiment, as I like to say. And I think we're still living through the consequences of that. But, I mean, you know, really looking back and going, okay, we've been here before. Um, Now, if you're going through it, 18 months seems like an eternity, you know, if especially if, you know, a lot of times during recessions, we see increased unemployment, which can mean job loss for people. So those fears and those concerns are real during that time. And like I said, 18 months can seem like an eternity when you're going through it. But Expansions have historically lasted a lot longer than those contractions. And again, going back to your article, staying invested for that long time is what we have seen to be the best strategy to live through those.
1: When we talk to you as a listener, we want you to understand that this is not just rhetoric that we seem to repeat. This is a lifestyle. This is the way we think. This is what we have proven over the time, tested times that we've been working together. It's not to get caught up in what maybe the noise is saying to you or, you know, what you hear or somebody's telling you. The reality is you're going to go through these recessions re- fluctuations downturns bulls changing to bear you know the re- corrections in the market it's all a part of investing for the long haul Scott when you when we talk about this let's go back to 1969 again and and at the end of 1969 the gross domestic product stood at about 4.9 trillion in in 2012 dollars we just right. went back and adjusted calculated, for inflation. Adjusted right. for inflation and what are we today?
2: We're sitting at about $19.7 trillion, or actually a little higher than that. We're probably going to end up above the $20 trillion mark. So think about that for a minute. Think about, you know, we just talked about the fact there's been eight to nine recessions right. in that time period. We've had a lot of ups market downs, corrections, ups and downs, downs all noise. that. But, it, but all that, all that happening, great financial crisis, Y2K, all the various and sundry things we've been through in crisis of the day. We have grown our GDP from inflation-adjusted dollars of about $5 trillion to over $20 trillion. So we have quadrupled our GDP.
1: You know, and I I go back to the article that I wrote in April of 2020, and it it was published in a magazine and here locally. And it was, you know, just we were talking about the conditions and, you know, all the issues and the pain that that was going on in in 2020 with, you know, you had Y2K. And, of course, then this was April of 2020. We just lived through that. We're already beginning to feel the pain of that. And, again, I say the best advice I can give anyone is to stay invested and know your risk tolerance. So that's what you're saying with the GDP. I mean, it's going to—the the recessions are historical facts, and yet it's a historical fact that we survive them. We, as you said, the GDP's quadrupled since 1969.
2: Right. And, you know, looking at the equity markets during that time period, the S&P 500 in 1969 was sitting at around 92—92.06. 92. 92.06. <laughs> 92. 92. 92. <laughs> okay. And, you know, as of today, yesterday, Now, 92, that's, what, that's not not 92. 92, 92, <laughs> okay. 92. And so we're sitting it's somewhere hard to around 30, it, it was, 37, 3800 yeah. now. And so that's a, you know, that's a big increase in the market over that time period. So the, the broad equity market is up about 40 times over that period.
1: Yeah, that, that people, you got to hear that. You got to understand that.
2: The oil embargo, the inflation, the, the crazy, you know, Paul Volcker years of the 80s when they're having the to fight de- inflation. You know, the the desert Storm. The desert Storm. Y2K. Y2K great yeah. financial crisis. Pandemic. All of those worries of the day that tend to want to scare people out of the market and make us some succumb to our really our worst traits and and really just let that fear take over. What the about earnings? Has, people talk
1: about earnings. What well, about earnings?
2: Earnings is really what we're buying, right? That, right? that is what drives that performance. So you know, over that time period, you go back. The S and P earned about six dollars and ten cents in nineteen sixty nine. And it's estimated this year we're going to finish at earning somewhere around $225 per share. So we've gone from $6 a share to about $225 a share. So that is what has driven that market performance over time. It's the great companies of America, the great companies indeed of the world, building those products and services that we all love and enjoy and running those businesses well and increasing those earnings over long periods of time. That is what you are investing in. So regardless of what the media says, that you know, economic life, as we know, it's going to end because of whatever the, the latest crisis is, through all that, great companies innovate, figure out ways around these problems, and they keep on doing what they do.
1: I know that you are thinking as you're listening to what we're saying here that, okay, that's great. I appreciate you guys saying that. But, you know, we just had a couple of days of, you know, a stock market rally. It kind of got things kind of excited. It kind of this re- reflected somewhat the wishful thinking about mm-hmm. maybe you know the monetary policy you know it may change and obviously that that reflected this whole thought maybe even some growing optimism that russia and ukraine will come up with a truce or some type of peace treaty all those things are very positive but when you don't you don't try to figure out what's happening tomorrow again you stay long term and keep moving and not get caught up in this idea of what's happening today and change your thoughts right I think you just kind of have
2: to have faith in the idea that economically as a country and as the world globally we're going to keep advancing and keep growing and you have to in general have faith in that for the long term to be a long term investor.
1: I think I read something recently and I and I'm trying to remember what it where it was but the thought was that you know we back in I think it's 9 back in it was about talking about history in 1969 I think the population for our country was uh, rough around 200 million, you know. And, you know, you think about that. Now we're at 340 million and, you know, right at 340, a little over 340, 340 million. I mean, the reality is that, I mean, we're talking about GDP per capita. It's, you know, 140% more today than it was in 1969. And that's a key point. And I mean, I mean, so,
2: some of our growth has come from population growth, true. obviously. Uh, but also we've become more productive in what we do. Absolutely. We've innovated, we've created new ways. I mean, look at the innovation in just food production over the last several decades. I mean, we can now, I mean, we have more problems and I know this is, there's still places in the world where it's issues, but we have more problems with obesity than we do uh, food shortages. Yeah, so, I mean, no that's kidding. just, and that's innovation. And that's what we do as, as humans as we innovate and we solve problems.
1: I guess Scott Jordan, we're talking about some recessions. We're we talking about history. We're talking about the GDP. We're talking about earnings. Things that just put into perspective what we're faced with today and how that looks in a historical factor and what it means for us to not panic, not get caught up in the noise and the move you know, the whole thought what's happening, but just simply move steadily towards a long term productive investment portfolio. Now, Scott, I understand Mike's question. And again, I don't know if I got it all as it was requested, but he says, I'm in my 401k, and I'm not maxing out, what he kind of indicated. He's mm-hmm. not maxing out. He's asking kind of two questions. The first question, should I put it in now or should I wait till this turns around and looks better? And I can understand his angst. I can understand his stress. Sure. I mean, Absolutely. that's kind of that mindset of following the herd when you talk about money management principles. So Mike's question is a good question. And so in your opinion, should he at this point, knowing only what we know, Can he, at this thing, be optimistic enough to say, I'm going to put more into my 401k. I may even, he's not maxed out. I think he's getting, I think he's what he's doing is probably getting whatever his firm is, uh, he's matching him. And I think it's what he's done for years. And he's headed towards retirement. He didn't say how long he's got to go before retirement. Should he, at this point, double down, go ahead and put more in? Is it a good time to do that? Or should he wait? I don't know if I like that terminology, doubling down. Well, that sounds, no, that's, that sounds you know, like some gambling We'll talk about it. You know there. what? Well, we ought to do a show on the <laughs> difference between investing and gambling. That's, that'd be a great that'd show. That'd be a
2: really good program. That'd be a great show. But what, what I would say to Mike is, you know, how much we save is one of those variables that we have control over. So, I, you know, looking at a 401k, the chief purpose of that is to save money so that we have cash flows in the future to live on when we can no longer work. We can't really control the market and what it's doing on a day-to-day basis, but what we can control is how much we save. So my advice to Mike would be absolutely to contribute as much as you can, as much as you feel like you can contribute to the 401k today, I would definitely recommend uh, contributing to that. We know that the economy can't be consistently predicted. We can't time the market. That's That sounds like what he's kind of leaning towards is I'm going to wait till a better time to get in the market, but the only way to be assured of getting the long-term returns of the market is to be in the market.
1: You know, I think we sometimes talk about this because you said better, you know, there's a better time. It's like, you know, you might buy in, let's just say today, and I'm going to go ahead and get into the market and then, you know, say it does go down another two, three, four, five percent. The Absolutely. reality is, you know, you'd feel that like, oh, I should have waited. Right. Should have you know? waited. Oh, boy, that should've wasn't very waited. smart. But the reality is when it turns and takes off, if you miss that taking off by not being in the market, you you could end up losing more money that away than you did that little 2 or 3% during that time. Absolutely. And again, you're not selling. You're not getting out. This long-term. If you're trying to do it on a short-term basis, we're not talking. I mean, that's a whole other that's, 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 di- that's a different mindset conversation, and not different what we talk about on the program. But, you know,
2: if you're looking at needing this money 10 to 20 years in the future, the question is not, is the market going to be down in six months? Is is the market going to be up in 10 years? Yeah. And I think that's a lot safer uh, a safer idea to, to lock your habits around if you will. But, I, you know, I just I'm always a believer in let's let's focus on what we can control. We can control how much we save and, and saving money for the long term in the 401k is a great idea. And I would recommend doing as much as you can do,
1: especially getting his match. And he says it seems like he's doing that. And then, of course, moving as much as he can into the portfolio at this point, if he's young, it's a certain amount. What is it is if he's over over 55, 60? How how much can he, can he contribute?
2: Yeah. Well, we got twenty thousand five hundred. You've Got to catch up, we're up to about twenty seven thousand. So
1: he could yeah. really put a lot more out. of yeah. Again, we don't know how, exactly don't how know much what he's putting. He's,
2: in. Don't know what he's contributing now. But yeah. you know, again, it's it's. There's always a balance between living today and planning for the future. But as much as he can can contribute today, that's just going to make his picture look that much
1: better. And the key the is, the, you know, the, as you say, the more he puts into it is, and it's a sacrifice. But the reality is, maximizing as much as he can. Now let's talk about his mission budgeting for retirement. Uh, We got just a few minutes left. Budgeting, I guess he's thinking about after he retires, he's got to have a budget. What would you say is the most important part about doing that budget?
2: Yeah, and I'm not sure exactly where he's coming from with this question. Is he trying to figure out how much he's going to need in retirement or the idea of, hey, when I retire, I need to figure out my spending strategy. Again, that's one of those things we can have control over. I always say that wise financial decisions begin with cash flow. So it's always, you know, let's let's think about people who are in retirement today, and their accounts are down. Now they can't control the fact that their accounts are down, but if they can maybe control how much they take out of those accounts by possibly spending a little less right now, that just leaves more in there to grow for the future. Uh, but now, if he's more geared toward trying to figure out what he's going to need to spend in retirement, there's a lot of rules of thumb around that. You know, we always say target somewhere around 70 to 80 percent of your income as an as a spending need in retirement. That's a good rule of thumb, but it's really different for different people. So you have to think about that a lot and put a lot of time. You know this. We spend a lot of time with people
1: trying to come up with that number. It's not always easy. Um, oh, it's terrible. You know, By a the of- way, just to remind you everybody, we mentioned the S&P 500. It's an unmanaged index to 500 large stocks, and you cannot invest in an index, just to remind everybody that. We talked about that. And again, if you've got questions for us, just simply send them to the text line, 901-683-0989. That's six eight three 989 Scott's here. He gets the answers, and we don't hesitate to do that. Or you can send it to talk money at com. I think you've done a great job, Scott. I think we nailed that question. You've covered some things. We didn't quite get into as much fundamentals as far as what we did, but just not following the herd is probably one of the most prominent things we say. Don't get caught up in what everybody else is doing. The best advice I can give anyone today is stay invested and know your risk tolerance. It was good in April of 2020. It was good. It's good in August and September, October of 2020. Boy, I tell you what, the calendar's flying by. I'm telling you. It's part of that. Coming up. Coming up, listen, this is big. Professor is here. We're going to scam school. And I tell you what, it's always great to have Daniel Irwin with us. He's going to tell us what we need to stay out of and, and, and protect ourselves from literally all kinds of problems. You don't want to miss it. Daniel Irwin, Better Business Bureau. We'll be right back after this. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
0: This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.
1: Helping you make the most of your money. Talk money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk
0: 98.9. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Daniel Irwin or the Better Business Bureau. The views and opinions expressed are those of Daniel Irwin only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial.
1: Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest, Daniel Orwin, coming up from the Better Business Bureau in just a second. But I want to go back to Scott. Scott, we took the break and was talking a little bit about fundamentals of investing. And we mentioned following the herd. Just help me with that. What do you say to people? And then the other one is being an emotional investor. Those are two major fundamentals of good money management. Talk about it for me.
2: Well, Stanford did a study on this and what they found is people, what people fear most is falling behind their peers in their investing. So they tend to look at various indexes or what they think their peers are doing and look at that as they need to be doing the same thing. And we always know the herd usually gathers a lot of steam right before it goes off a cliff. <laughs> it so it, you know, not getting caught up, not letting any kind of enthusiasm or, or euphoria derail your long-term investment plan. That's kind of what I look at when I think of following the herd is usually on the upside, but that can work on both sides. The herd uh, jumps out at the, at the downside too, but that all really comes around emotions, letting those emotions guide our investing decisions. And we say this over and over, Emotions are the enemy of any good long-term investment strategy. But that
1: is so easy to
2: say. It's easy to say. It's hard to do. You know, I think as a long-term investor, we we stay focused on our goals. We're long-term in nature. We're focused on our goals, and we operate within a plan. You know, there's one thing that all recessions and bear markets have had in common historically, and that's that they've all been temporary. So it's not very comfortable to go through these tough times. It's, it is an emotional time. But don't let those emotions cause you to act in a way that's going to derail your long-term strategy.
1: And, I, you know, when we talk about that, again... It's so it's simple to say and yet so critical to anybody today when they're making an investment for the long term, trust the management group that you're working yep. with give you the good advice. If you've got if you're using funds, if you're in a 401k, trust the managers there that they're going to be, you know, actively manage and looking out. Some of these times when we're in the middle of a downturn, a correction, there're great opportunities and they're buying things Absolutely. that are going to come back because the great companies are still great companies. So the reality is, just don't let this the emotions dictate to you what your long-term investment program is, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Oh, that's powerful information, guys, and I, I thank you for that. And I, I think everybody needs to understand, just don't let your emotions Don't follow the herd. That's fundamental to any long-term investment plan. Scott, you did a great job with that. I appreciate the history lesson on the history of nine recessions, or at least we eight recessions for sure. And the ninth one, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. see. Thank you, sir. Well, let me say, he has been here. He's in the studio. You know, we're going to have to, you know what, Daniel, the professor, we got to get you a robe. (laughs) You know, we got to get a robe. I mean, one of those, we got to really dress this up. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you are now in the presence of greatness when it comes to <laughs> teaching us what to look out for a when it comes wig. to, Not yeah, right, good. yeah, a robe, a powdered a wig, a robe. A gavel. Oh, I mean, it's so important, Daniel. You do a fabulous job of helping us know what to look out for, and there are scams going on. What's the hot topic today, sir? Well, you know, we want to talk about identity theft. Uh, this is a time of year where, you know, you really need to be aware
3: um, uh, about identity theft. And so when we say identity theft, identity theft is when someone uses your personal or financial information without your permission. Uh, they might
1: say Wait, minute, your- whoa, that's my wife. Is that the same? <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, guys. She <laughs> does not need your permission, you know, Jim. She doesn't. She's <laughs> never needed my permission. And she tries
3: to buy things with <laughs> your credit card. <laughs> right like all I try. sorts of things
1: she does a good job <laughs> okay i got it
3: yeah, so so identity theft is, is essentially when someone steals your identity and they can do that in a lot of different ways. But what do they want your identity for, right? Well, they want to buy things with your credit cards. They want to try to open up new accounts in your name to get new credit cards. They want to open up a phone, electricity, or a gas account, a utilities account in your name. Uh, they may try to steal your tax refund. They might actually try to steal the deed to your house. Uh, they might try to use your health insurance or to get medical care or even pretend to be you if they get arrested. Identity theft is really Really, really big, and it's something that you should be concerned about. We have to use more care when we're out in public shopping. You know, I think last last time I was on the show, we talked about how you know you shouldn't have to give all that personal information when you go to Home Depot just to buy something, right? We've got to start protecting our personal information because the number one way that people get your personal information is when you give your personal information to these companies. Uh, we talk about data breaches. Data breaches are the number one way that people get your personal information including your social security number. So you got to be really, really careful.
1: Wow, that's, uh, you know, that's so beautiful. I know, Scott, that happened to you through, through a bad circumstance, but... I mean, it was a big issue for you just because of the identity problem. It is so time-consuming
2: to get it all straight, too. That's the, that's the one thing that, I mean, you can't imagine what you have to go through just to try to... You're, you're fighting this battle of trying to prove that it's not you doing all this stuff, and it, it takes away from your time to do other things. Yeah. And
3: it can take years. Yeah, yeah. that's. What and what's important. scary about identity theft is keep in mind they're smart at what they do. Your social security number can be compromised today. It could be six, seven, eight years from now when they actually steal your identity, right? Because hmm. once your number's out there, it's out there. So you're not on your own timetable, you're on
1: the crook's timetable, right? So, you know, it, you never know how long it's going to be. How do you protect yourself? I mean, you know, when you think about this, Daniel, I mean, you're talking about data breach, credit card theft, mail theft. I mean, you know, somebody stealing your mail. I mean, Wi-Fi, you know, spam, right. fishing, well, all that's reality.
3: You know, one thing is Wi-Fi hacking. And, and, and keep in mind that public Wi-Fi is not secure, right? You know, uh, I, I was in McDonald's the other day and I saw a bunch of people in there with their laptops and they were using the Wi-Fi and one of them was actually, you know, I, I wasn't looking, but you could see on the screen that they were, they were clearly doing some banking. I would not be doing any banking on public Wi-Fi, right? It's probably good for checking your email every now and then, maybe browsing the internet, but you know, keep in mind, uh, at least my, my identity is tied up in my computer so much, right? I do everything online. I bank online, I do all sorts of things online. Like if my computer was to get compromised, I, I would be in a world of hurt in terms of my identity. I am very careful when I'm using public Wi-Fi because, again, somebody could hack into my computer. If they were to, they would have access to all of my medical information, all of my banking information, all of my passwords. I mean, my life is in my
1: computer. Uh, and, uh, let me so, ask you this. When you say that, Daniel, your life, is that, is, that a, is there an age thought process on that? I mean, I'm talking about someone who's, say, over 50. Is that going to be the same as somebody under 40? Probably not, right?
3: Uh, you, typically, when we think of seniors, you know, uh, uh, maybe they're on Facebook or they're doing a little bit of online shopping, but their entire identity isn't necessarily tied to their phone or maybe their computer. Maybe they're
1: not banking through, right?
3: Them. Okay. Um, Producer Tyler is is with us. I, I'm sure if you asked him, you know, we probably do more things online than than maybe you do. Okay. Now you're saying
1: that Tyler well, is good. younger, right? Uh, Tyler so, is yeah, younger. Okay. Yes. All right. Got it. Uh, you
3: know, maybe I'm still way older than Tyler, but but still, I'm of that age where where you know I'm I'm connected. My phone all the time. I'm connected to my computer, right? I don't write checks. I pay things online. Um, so I do more online, so I'm at a higher risk. So I need to know that I'm at a higher risk, and I need to do things to protect myself. When I'm on public Wi-Fi, I want to disable it, right? If I, you know, because a lot of times, if I've been in one place and I've already I've already put on my computer, okay, connect to this network. Well, I want to click that box and say, you know, don't connect automatically, right? Yeah. I, I want I, you know, so little things like that you can do to protect yourself. Keep in mind, you know, your phone is always searching for Wi-Fi, right? So if you don't have the right settings, you could walk into. Mag- Donald's, your phone could automatically connect to Wi-Fi and you might be at risk. Now, would something happen? Probably not,
1: but you're still at risk. So you just need to be aware. That's uh, you know, when you say probably not, it's uh yeah, it probably not most of the time. All it takes is one time. It just takes
3: one time. And again, you may not know. It could be two or three
1: years from now. And you may never know. And see, that's
3: part of the problem with identity theft is it's so hard to pinpoint where your identity is stolen right? Because your information is out there at so many different places. You just have to use a whole lot of common sense. And again, it's not being rude, but I am always asking people questions, right? Uh, I'm asking people all the time, why do you need this? Why do you need that? You know?
1: I know when you talk about that, I know you've said this before, ask questions before you give out your social security number. Will you think that would be common? Just yeah, I'm not going to just give you my social security number. But you're, you're really saying to people they do that, you're really telling them, ask questions before you give your social security right, number. Right,
3: right. And obviously there are certain entities that need it, right? Your employer, your employer needs your social security number. Government agencies, some of them, if they don't already have it, they may need to verify your social security number. They may need it. But things like your child's school. Um, you know, I went round and round with my child's school. I didn't want to give them my social security number. I specifically asked why you needed it. They didn't really have an intelligent reason. They just said, oh, we need it for our files. Well, I pushed back. Why do you need my social security number? If there's ever a situation where you need it, you can call me and I'll give it to you. They pushed back. They said they needed it for their files. I asked, can you use a different identifier? Or how about just the last four of my social? I don't want to give you the, the, the entire social security number. And they finally conceded and they just have my last four now. Am I on some list somewhere? Do the people at my child's school, you know, probably don't like me because I push back? <laughs> I had <laughs> Maybe. thought about
1: that. Okay. Does it embarrass <laughs> my
3: wife? Yes. But again, I'm protecting me and mine. I'm protecting my my identity and I'm actually pr- protecting my financial future and that of my family by guarding my personal information.
1: You're taking the responsibility of being intelligent with your your personal information. Right. Instead uh, of being lackadaisical and saying, oh yeah, here it is, here it is. I mean, I, I thought you, when you said a different identifier, or, you know, I, I think you, you actually told me one time that you said, how, you know, you asked the question, how are you going to protect my social security number if I give it to Or you've got a system that says nobody can hack into your system to get that. That's big. Right. And for, for instance,
3: you know, and, and sometimes there's a need for you to give your social security number, but you then want to ask, how are you protecting my information? Case in point. Uh, I, I was at a car dealership um, last time I bought a car for my wife. And for whatever reason, you know, you have to fill out a, a, a credit application. Typically, when you do that nowadays, it's all online. But for whatever reason, this particular car dealership had a paper credit application. On that paper credit application, I didn't have a choice. I had to put my social security number. How are they going to run my credit without it, right? Well, it was a paper application. I asked them point blank. Well, what are you going to do with this paper application once you're done with it? Oh, well, we'll shred it. Okay, well, I'd like to see you shred it. I need to know that you shredded it. Oh, don't worry. We'll shred it for you. No. No. If I'm going to give you my social security number, I want to watch you shred it where are you going to shred it? Where's your shredder? Oh, well, we, we just put it in this pile and then we shred them all at the end of the day. Well, then I just want my application back. Once you've got that information, I'll make sure I shred it myself, right? Little things like that, you know, you you just have to think about, because again, I'm not saying anything bad. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, that that any employee would do this, but we do hear about it all the time where employees of a certain organization who are collecting social security numbers for for something? They may take that, you know, and that's how stuff gets sold, right? You, you you never know what someone's intentions are. And again, I may be a little jaded, but these are just questions that you have to sit down and ask yourself, and then you've got to ask other
1: people. I think you're jaded, but I think you're smart. <laughs> I, think, I you know I am. I'm serious. If you just tuned in, of course, I'm talking to the professor Daniel Irwin, the better he's the de- director of the public relations for the Better Business Bureau, a frequent guest of ours, always does a great job, and and we just really, these are things, Daniel, I mean, honestly, yeah, you know, I mean, but I think you're very, very smart. I mean, I think we need to hear what you're saying, because I think we get comfortable, right? and that's when you get bit. I mean, you know, when when something happens is when you've gotten so lackadaisical that, you know, you walk into a place that you use the internet 10 years ago, five years ago, and your phone remembers it. And all of a sudden, somebody's over there hacking into it. That's what happens to us because we've gotten careless with data that we shouldn't be doing. I think that's important.
3: Yeah, and again, you know, we live our lives so differently than we did even five years ago, right? And think about how even more different it's going to be in another five years. You know, think about all the information. Half the time, when I'm buying something, or I put it like this, half the time when my wife buys something, she doesn't even take out her credit card. She literally has it on her phone, yeah. it, and she literally she she taps her phone, and it, and it pays for stuff, right? I don't do that because that just scares the bejesus out of me, but that's the way things are going. That's the way people are going to be paying. It's all going to be, we're, we're, it's all going to be a public information. It's all going to be on some type of Bluetooth or Wi-Fi network, right? So your information is being passed in cyber. And so, you know, we have to come up with, we have to come up with ways to protect ourselves because that's the way the future is going. And so we as a society have to, they have to change the laws and they also have to, technology has to keep up with, you know, what's already going on. We have to come up with creative ways to protect our
1: identity. Yeah, the reality is this is big business. I mean, whether you like it or not, right. identity theft, scams, is big, big business. Now, I know you talk about know protecting yourself from scammers i mean you know i i do this i do this regularly every month I, I i keep my receipts if i use a credit card i'm reviewing receipts and you know anything that doesn't show up and i have of course the internet system i mean the the, the apps that send it all to me if if you use my credit card it's going to show that i'm using you know somebody's doing something on my credit. that's normal a lot of people have that i think the key is is you got to be kind of an owner of what's happening for yourself financially. So scam, you know, or happening. So review your bills. What else would you tell somebody that, you know, when you got a scammer, how to protect yourself?
3: Right. Well, so there are a couple things you can do to maybe spot identity theft. And you were talking about reviewing your bills, right. making sure you're just, you're, you're just really checking what I'm, really checking. What I'm yeah. paying for. But also track what bills you owe and when they're due, if you stop getting a bill, right. If you've always gotten a paper bill and then for, for whatever reason, for a couple months, you don't get one that could be a sign that someone has changed your billing address, so that would that would be a red flag. Now, it wouldn't be an immediate like must act now red flag, but that might be something that you want to you want to call and, and confirm. Uh, it could be as simple as you always get a paper bill, you realize that you didn't get one in a month, right? You went ahead and paid it, but then you go ahead and you call that customer service line that on that that bill that you've gotten previously, and you ask them, "Hey, why did you stop sending me that bill? Can I verify that uh, that billing address real quick?" Right? Again, nothing may be wrong, but Taking that five minutes to do that work beforehand will save you a whole lot on the back end. Am I
1: right? Yeah, Scott, you're talking about you. <laughs> well, I see why you're calling the professor now. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was is. a little skeptical at first. But he's got some good information you, here. He does. And, right? you know, and I want to get this. I want to talk about this because, I mean, people need to, I want two things. Scam alerts. Scam alerts. I mean, you're talking about something that just happened to you recently. It with your brother, and, yeah, and, I, and to me, that was that's a sharp, sharp, sharp deal. So
3: we are actually out there alerting people about you know we, we everyone knows about robocalls and everybody sure. knows about about these fake calls you get. Well, you need to really be watching how you text message um, again. I'm going to set this up by saying, remember, so much of what we do is online. Uh, all my contacts are integrated on, uh, with my email and my phone, right? I email more on my phone than I do on my computer. So all my contacts are all in my phone. So the new thing that's going around is people are getting fake text messages from loved ones, it's not really your loved one, but it's appearing. It's spoofing, right? We just t- t-
1: tell us about that. I mean, right. You you already told me about yeah. this, and
3: I'm going. Oh my goodness! So my mom was having a medical procedure. My brother flew in from out of town. We were in the hospital waiting room. I had my phone on me, and I got a text message from my brother's phone number. Now it didn't show up in my contact list. It just it just spelled out the number, but it said, "Hey brother, how are you?" Well, I'm right next to my brother. Yeah. And I'm like, John, why are, you, why are you texting me, man? And he's like, what are you talking about? And so I knew what was going on. But in the text message, though, it literally had my brother's phone number. And again, didn't show up as his contact, but, hey, but showed it up as the phone had number, the number, had the number. And it said, hey, brother, how are you? And, of course, I didn't respond, right? Because, again, if you respond, they know that it's a a live
1: number. Okay, that's important. You say that every time, but I need for you to hear this. Listen to what he's going to say. This is what—I have said this a thousand times since you said it the first time. Right.
3: So, this this is good advice for both those robocalls and for these texts, unsolicited calls and text messages. When you answer the call or a text message, and it is a a fraudulent number off the top— If you answer it or you press one or you answer the text, they're going to know that it's a live number. They're going to, in turn sell your number to another scammer who is going to then call or text you and you're going to respond to them. They're going to know it's a live number. It's just a vicious cycle, right? The more you reply, the more you're going to get because they know it's a live number. They're not, that's what they want. They want you to respond in some kind of way. Because again, even if they don't get your personal information out of that phony text, they're still going to make money off you because they're going to take that live number and sell it to their friends, right? So Again, these text messages are coming, and so I didn't respond to the text, but a few minutes later, I did get another text, and it was, it was hitting me up for money. It was my brother telling me there was something going on where he was, and he wanted me to send money to this specific Cash App address, so... Again, it happens all the time. We are getting lots and lots of reports of, of of spoofed text messages specifically coming from family members. That tends to be what we're seeing from the most. We actually call it no we, we when we we sent the alert out, the alert's titled that's not your mom texting. So, again, you know, if you if, if the, the red flag there would be if it's someone in your contacts, but the number pops up and it's it's just the number spelled out and the wording's a little different, right? Delete it off the top. Yeah, it's stay, it's stay somebody trying to steal your identity.
1: All right, you've talked about this before and I need people you need to listen to this. The personal info is for sale on the dark web. Yeah. What happens? What do you what do you tell people to do?
3: Well, you know, it, what, what people are getting now is there's there's some emails going around and these emails are really really nasty and and you know and, and they' they're fake emails right but they're but they're scary they're essentially you'll get an email and it may have some personally identifiable information in it right it could have the last four of your social it could have your address it could have real information. Um, but basically it's blackmailing you, right? It's saying, Hey, we're selling your, this information on the dark web, unless you, you send money in Bitcoin to this address right here. Right? Again, this is just a tactic to get you to think that by paying that money, you're so you're safe. Chances are they don't have that real information, right? They've they've only listed the last four of your social because that's all they have, but they're just trying to make you think that they've got that information. They either want you to give them that information, right? Or they want you to pay them, but don't fall for it, right? You need to delete those emails right off the top because again, if you respond to that email, they're gonna know it's a live address and then they're also going to just take that money and they're still gonna do whatever it is they're gonna do. If you get one of those emails, you need to delete it. The first thing you should do if you get one is go ahead and pull your credit report, right? You can pull your credit report for free, um, and and you need to be pulling your credit report on a regular basis regardless. The number one way you can catch identity theft is by pulling your credit report and going ahead and disputing anything that's inaccurate on it. You should always know a, a a rough idea of what your credit score is, so then if it drops immediately, then you know something's wrong. Something's
1: wrong, yeah. we got about a minute left, Daniel. I mean, Better Business Bureau... Public relations man, this guy does a fabulous job, but you got a minute. Hurricane, Ian, problem. Right. Right now, guys, be really, really careful
3: who you're donating money to. Look out for unsolicited calls. We are getting reports in the Memphis area of someone calling saying they're with the Florida Weather Relief Foundation. There is no such organization. If you get one of these calls, it's going to go like this. they uh, they will, they will, There'll be a gentleman on the phone. He will have a very heavy foreign accent. He will be very, very pushy. He will try to get you to donate money via cash app. It is a scam. Uh, fortunately, we've had a lot of reports of it, but no one's fallen for it yet because it is so crazy and the red flags are everywhere. But important to note, he wouldn't be doing it if people weren't falling for it. So just make sure if you do want to donate, you are donating to real charities. We recommend going to uh, the BBB's um, uh, uh, charity arm. It's give.org. You can vet charities and make sure that you're giving money to organizations that have the infrastructure to help those in need. That's really important.
1: You know, always a tremendous amount of information, and uh, that's why he's the professor. And we go to scam school, and that's the purpose of the program. I want to thank you, Daniel, today for your program, for what you've done, Scott, for what you've done. You guys have done a great job. Great Thanks to be here, again, Jim. man. You know, it's, uh, if you got questions for Daniel, uh, you can reach him at seven five nine one three zero zero Better Business Bureau. Public Relations Director, Daniel Orwin. You can reach him at, again, 901-759-1300. You can also talk to Scott. Just simply call him at 901-757-5757. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker, subscribe to the podcast, and we would appreciate it if you leave us a review. If you have questions, type them to Jim, J-I-M, to the text line here at the station, 901-683-0989 or you can send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Next week, my guest, Rusty Leonard, is going to talk about um, Washington and the economic update, and Scott and I are going to dive into that after that to continue to go through the fundamentals of investing. Shannon Dyson is going to talk about three strategies employers can use to lower their health care spending. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 12 noon. Thanks so much to our producer, Tyler Springs, guest and content coordinator coordination, Francis Fordner, production and marketing assistant, Lord Norsworthy, and our compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Thanks so much for listening. You're a part of the show. We're for you, and we're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
0: Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.
1: Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.